Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. We'll be talking to security analyst Will Geddes, who was on the show during the week. We will be talking to him again, of course, in relation to what is happening currently in the Ukraine. But the people of the Ukraine this morning woke up to this sound. And that is a sound that most people of the world, but certainly most people of the Western world, haven't heard since the 1940s, since World War II. And it must have been a shocking experience to wake up in the middle of the night to hear that. The Ukrainian president has declared martial law and encouraged or urged citizens not to panic as Russia has launched a military strike on the country, while the country's foreign minister called for a full-scale invasion. The Russian president, Vladimir Putin, announced the action during the televised address early on Thursday morning, saying the move was a response to threats from the Ukraine, although the Ukraine will, of course, deny that. Now, many Irish citizens, by the way, have left the Ukraine, but some are still there and now have no way out. And Eugene O'Sullivan from Bantry is one of those people. Good afternoon to you, Eugene. Afternoon, um, Noel. How are you, Eugene? Now, firstly, you've been living in the Ukraine uh, for, I mean, how long have you lived there? 20 years? No, I've been coming and going here for the last 20 years. Okay. And uh, I'm here since the 12th of December last year, and I planned to go away out of here on the first week of May, roughly. Okay. And roughly, whereabouts are you? You'd be about an hour from the Russian I'm, border, I suppose. I'm an hour from the Russian border, and I'm about five, roughly five hours east of Kiev, in oh. the north of a city called Poltava. And how long, how far would you be from the Polish border? Oh, Time wise. roughly about nine, 950 kilometres. Okay, okay, so that's a fair trek, all right. Now, of course, yeah, Simon big... Coveney has announced today, uh, of course, the announcement during the week was to try and get Irish citizens out of the Ukraine, but today he's now announcing that you have to stay there and stay safe uh, because there is no way out currently at the moment because there's no, no, air, no air travel. So during the week when you heard Simon Coveney saying that at the Irish Foreign Affairs Minister say that, what was the reason that you decided to stay on? Like many people, did you think, ah, oh, sure, this is not going to happen? No, I'm I'm here with my my family, and I don't intend to leave. You understand? Because if I was in Ireland, I would be a nervous wreck now. Mm-hmm. Of course. So, um, I'm happy I stayed here, and but I did not expect this invasion. I didn't expect it coming. That's being honest. And even my wife didn't expect it. And we heard the air air raid sirens this morning at seven o'clock. That must have been here. quite a frightening sound to hear that this morning. Well, we just heard it, but you understand, then we turn on the television and there we see all the bombings happening, etc. Mm, I've seen some of the videos no, this morning and some of the photographs. No, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's military installation of the Ukrainian army that's being taken out at the moment. Okay. It's there, the ground invasion. It's the ground invasion I worry about. Mm-hmm. And do you fear that's the next step? Because many, some analysts will fear what, that's the next step. What can you do? What, what, what can you do? You... <laughs> You can't panic. You no point in panicking. What what are you going to achieve? Mm-hmm. And if you go out of here and you can't get any further, then you're stuck. Because at least I know the area where I live in here at the moment. And if indeed there is a ground invasion, and if indeed you know you end up in a situation where the city that you're living in uh, becomes a part of a military zone, do you have somewhere safe to go? I mean, have the locals or the local we, media given, you know, uh, places to go, underground bunkers, I don't know, yeah, subways? We, 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 have an un- we have an underground bunker here in the building where we are. But then again, that doesn't save you either. Do you understand? Oh, no, I know, I know. It's like that. 
look, Noel, you could be standing where I am here and a missile could go off track and just blow you to bits. That's, that's what it's like. And is that something that immediately worries you right now? Nothing you can do about it, Noel. It's like, like I mean, yeah, of course, yesterday it was a different thing altogether because I think most people, even the experts yesterday, believed that, okay, there were going to be sanctions put on Russia, you know, for most countries around Europe. And, you know, eventually it would be all settled, could go on for a year or so, a few threats. But we considered most of it to be a bluff. Um, but it's yeah, clearly but not. It's not because and I t- I, what I see what happened was Look, it's all down to NATO and the USA as well. They are no angels in any of this either. Putin gave a set, he gave a list of demands that he wanted, and they really told him to F off. And I think Putin gave them enough time to come back and say, okay, Ukraine will not join NATO. That was Putin's biggest fear, that if Ukraine joined NATO, there would be American cruise missiles located on the territory of Ukraine, facing for Russia. The USA have already cruise missiles in Romania, and they also have them in Poland, facing at Russia. And Putin's reply to this is, they're not coming around to my back door and putting them at Ukraine as well. But you almost make it sound like he's trying to protect his country, which I'm not suggesting he's not. But he is a dictator. And and he is, but he is basically trying to bring the USSR back together again. He may be, but Neil, Neil... I'm not saying who is right or wrong. I can see where he's coming from. But if you allow, if you allow him to do this, what's next? No, Neil, you're missing the thing here. Finland is not a member of NATO. Oh, well, I'm well They're aware not of that. Threatened by Russia. They're not a member of NATO, and they have a huge border with Russia. Um, Azerbaijan is also bordering um, Russia. They're not joining NATO. Why do you have to join NATO? Here, Ukraine were looking to join NATO. It looks like they'll be joining Russia now, whether they like it or not. I mean, if the West did nothing and just sat there and allowed this to happen, what would be next? Would it be Belarus, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia? I mean, where, where, would it, where would it stop? Belarus is already a puppet of Russia anyway. <laughs> I mean, when Lukashenko says, when Putin says to Lukashenko, jump, Lukashenko's reply is, how high will I go, Vlad? And in your area where you're living right now, I mean, what, what would be the puppet? Sorry, exactly whereabouts, if you, if you don't mind telling us, of course, what is the, the, the name of the area you live in? Hours, yeah, I'm five hours east of Kiev, in north of a city called Poltava, in a place called Dikanka. And what's the mood, generally? Population. Look, this morning people were panicking, there was queues everywhere, and cash machines, cash machines have run out of money. So there's no cash, there's no money in either cash, the ATM machines now. No, and I'm, I'm not, Neil, one thing I'm preaching, and I've been preaching this all the time, these credit cards that are forcing us in, the best thing you can have here now is cash in your pocket. Yes, of course. No point in pushing a card into a machine and nothing inside it. And Banks are closed, banks are closed, uh, shops are open, all right. But I, ma- I, imagine the, I imagine the shelves yeah. are emptying in the shops very quickly now at this stage. They are emptying pretty quick and they're running out of fuel now as well. So people are queued up at garages to fill up their cars. And Yeah, it's, it's, it's chaos that way. And are, I, I are, there many, are there many people exile. trying to exile? Where can you go? <laughs> well, I don't know, I get that. I, I do get that. Yeah. But, but the, I, only I, ones, the only ones who can get out, Neil, are the people... Uh, in West Ukraine, in Lviv, they're close to the Polish border. Because when I drive through it, <clears throat> it's only about less than an hour's drive. They're, they're pretty safe enough. They're really looking at the border in the distance. 
And what it, I mean, if I said to you, what is your greatest fear now at the moment? Your greatest fear, obviously, is a land invasion of where you live. But your greatest fear is fear for your family. I mean, life obviously is not going on as normal. I don't know whether your kids, are they in school today or? No, no, no. Oh. He wants to go to school. Everything is everything is practically closed except shops, pharmacies. They're open. Banks are shut. Everything. It is martial law imposed in the country. That means that the Ukrainian military can come in and take your house or take anything. You do what you're told. And if you're told to leave out one area, you're told to leave. You have no more rights. Ukrainian military are in charge of the country now. You must be terrified for you and your family. No. Look, Neil, it's like this. You have to get on with life. Uh, maybe this might be over in a short spell of time. I can't Indeed, see that. Can, I mean, can, can, you see, can you see that happening? I mean, what, what, look, the EU have obviously meeting today with a, you know, a raft of packages, including Ireland and included, including Britain as well, if it's not part of the EU at the moment, but obviously they're, they're bringing in their own packages and sanctions, uh, which are going to include serious financial penalties and punishments for Russia. Putin is not going to like that. And he's, and he's already threatened that if the West get involved, in his own words, he is threatened you know, to bring rain down on everybody else who gets involved. Neil, all I can tell you is sanctions are a waste of time. Uh, look at North Korea, there's sanctions on them for years. Look at Cuba, have six years of sanctions. They're still managing. Russia, the biggest country in the world, and you're talking about putting sanctions on them, they have everything they need already. What do they need from the West? They have everything. Well, so what do you, well then, the from, from what you believe, do you use, think he's using this particular invasion last night of mainly military targets? Do you believe that he's using this as some sort of bargaining chip to go back to the table? Well, maybe, maybe. But I don't think he will. I think it's an all-out invasion. He's having no more of it. It's a case of Ukraine will become part of Russia and what you'll see uh, installed here will be a pro-Russian government um, that will be always aligned to Russia. That's what I see happening. And, 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 and if that's the end result, it. how will that affect you and your position well, over there? There's nothing. You have to get on with life, Neil. If, you're a, if it becomes a part of Russia, <laughs> you don't have any choice. I, I wish you well, Eugene, you and your family. And I'm sure your family here in Ireland, have you in Bantry? You have? Yeah, I have, yeah. And, and what have you got, ma'am, ma'am, dad? Or who have you, who have you got no, here in Bantry? just my mother. Yeah. Okay. Okay. my mother. Every, every, everything is fine as I speak now. In the next door, I can't tell you if you understand. Everything is quite normal, just like yesterday, where I am. But it seems to be the big cities are where are the missiles are dropping on. And anywhere that there is military infrastructure belong to the Ukrainian military are being targeted. Another thing I, I'm surprised of as well is everybody would keep away from any kind of a telecommunications mass because they could be taken out as well. I'm also surprised that there is actually a telephone connection that I may actually be able to talk to you from here. I know, we did fear that, that earlier on. You, you, you mentioned that to Ruth this morning, that hopefully we'll still yeah. be able to talk at the time we went on air today. It's because you did fear that yeah. you will lose communication. Yeah, well, it can go at any time. Well, I mean, well, listen, that is the one thing that we still have in a modern world, that at least at times of need you can communicate, but when you lose communication, then you feel very isolated. Yeah, and one other thing, Neil, before we go... Uh, I just want to bring this up for Michal Martin, uh, for uh, Helen McEntee, and for Simon Coveney. Uh, if you're coming, if you're a Ukrainian citizen now here, you can't go into Ireland unless you have a visa. Uh, all Ukrainians can go into the rest of Europe for 90 days without a visa. Ireland is the only EU country that is preventing this. 
I'm this is, this is for people who may be married to non-Irish yes, citizens. Yes, my wife has to get a visa. The hassle that we have to go through to get a visa. She can go to Russia for 90 days without a visa, and she can't go to my own country. It's absolutely absurd. Okay, well, look, I wish you and your family a safe return at some point soon to Ireland, back to Bantry, and stay safe over there. I know it's very difficult for you at the moment, and it's very difficult for your family, and it's very difficult for any other Irish citizens that are still there in the Ukraine. I know many did get home. Some people are over there for surrogacy and other reasons as well. Uh, but I hope you do yeah, get I, back I safe. Yeah, I really feel, I feel sorry, yes, for the surrogacy people, because like, they, they don't know the area. At least me, I know where to go, I know where the streets are. You understand? You can have sat nabs and all that, but you can't beat, you cannot beat local knowledge on the ground. Absolutely. Well, look, stay away from those masts, as you said. All right. Okay. Eugene, <laughs> stay, me, Eugene, stay safe. All right. Thanks very much indeed. No problem. There's Eugene Thank O'Sullivan, you. who's listening in, uh, currently living in the Ukraine and been there for the last 20 years, back and forward. He's been over there again since December. Let me go back to our security analyst that we spoke to during the week, Will Geddes. He joins me again from the UK. Will, good afternoon and thank you once again for joining us. And I really appreciate you coming on the air and talking to us again in relation to this. Um, well, this is something I suppose most people thought they were bluffing or thought Putin was bluffing over the last few weeks since the first security leaks came out. Clearly, he wasn't bluffing. What do you think? I don't expect you to look at a crystal ball, but what do you think is his next step? Well, it's a really tricky one, Niall. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, many of us, me included, believed this was going to be like a Cuban Missile Crisis where it would all run up until the very 11th hour, 11th hour and 59 minutes. Um, and unfortunately, he did deliver on what he was threatening. Now, the, the key question here is, uh, we are seeing potential explosions outside of the Donbass region, and particularly outside of Luhansk and Donetsk. Uh, and if he is intending to actually invade Ukraine as a whole, rather than just take the Donbass region, which is what was perceived to be potentially the first step that he could do, then this creates real anxiety and concern for other neighboring countries to Russia. I, I'm just looking there. There's messages coming in from, for example, one of our own reporters, Tony Connolly for RT over here, has been moved to the basement of a hotel in Kiev uh, because they fear there's going to be more airstrikes. Um, obviously, this is putting panic among people like Eugene, who's still living over there, an Irish citizen living over there at the moment. Um, the sanctions that they're planning this afternoon in Great Britain and in Europe as well, there's raft of sanctions, financial sanctions, as well as inviting uh, you know anybody, uh, Russian correspondents, to go home, essentially. Do you believe that will make a difference? Do you think Do you think Putin is threatened by things like that? No, I don't think he is. I mean, he's already made a very clear statement now that he said anybody who tries to intervene in what he's doing right now will suffer consequences that they've never known of in their history. Now, what that actually constitutes, you know, people are speculating, could this be some kind of nuclear re- retaliation? Um, don't know. I mean, he is being very, very robust right now. I, I mean, as I'm sure you reported, you know, Boris Johnson's statement that he's just issued, obviously, to the nation, um, doesn't really go far enough, in my estimation. We have to be incredibly strong right now. And certainly the UN is throwing, throwing everything that they've got at NATO is throwing everything they've got at it. Um, we've got to really come back hard and heavy on Putin. If it stops in the Donbass region, there is a chance of potentially this being recoverable through diplomatic channels. But right now, 
I don't think that's the case. But he's already claimed, and his words, that any retaliation from any other country would lead to retaliation. I mean, we haven't seen anything like this since 1945. You know, when we hear those air raids going off this morning, the air raid sirens going off this morning. I mean, certainly in the Western world, we haven't seen this since World War II. And there is a genuine fear that if other countries retaliate, including Britain and including America, France or any other part of the EU, um, retaliate, um, that this could turn into world war. Yeah, it could do. I mean, and, and I mean, I don't think we can really dress this up in any other way. Lithuania has already put itself on a state of emergency. I think there's every good chance that Estonia is going to do probably likewise, and equally Poland. Poland's are rallying, obviously, their troops. Now, you know, there is a, a number of jets which are already stood by, ready to deploy from NATO to obviously intervene. And I think the first thing that obviously has to be uh, invoked is uh, the restriction of airspace across Ukraine. Uh, because at the moment, the way that the Russians are obviously advancing is a standard playbook in terms of taking out ports, taking out infrastructure, taking out airports, and various other sort of main infrastructure aspects of the country. Now, there is inevitably the second levels, which are things like cyber attacks. And Ukraine is facing unprecedented number of cyber attacks against, you know, various government organizations and corporate organizations. So, you know, we're seeing that potentially expanding. And if at the moment we step across the threshold and engage, we can anticipate potentially those cyber attacks extending to the UK, to other parts of Europe, and certainly to the United States. I mean, the Ukraine has declared military law. I mean, can you explain exactly what they mean with that when they say they declared military law? And Eugene spoke to us about that a second ago. What, what exactly are they, I mean, by definition, and what's actually happening in that respect when they talk about martial law? Well, in terms of martial law, it's really requesting and instructing. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit more than just requesting people to obviously stay within their houses. The military will obviously provide supplementary support to the police. They will provide, obviously, um, a military management of the country rather than it being necessarily purely politically driven. Uh, It will mean that uh, people are restricted in terms of their movements, although there is a huge evacuation. I mean, there are humanitarian and refugee implications now, which are going to come out from the back of this. And I'm not just talking from Ukraine. And can they, by the way, can they be evacuated? Sorry, Will, for interrupting, but but can Ukraines be evacuated? Is it possible to be evacuated? Because the big problem you have is obviously this is, you know, the the, the amount of land that we're looking at here. I mean, people have to put this into perspective and the size of the Ukraine. So can people be evacuated? I don't think it's a question necessarily of being evacuated. I think it's a question of people literally acting as refugees and crossing over into the borders of obviously neighbouring countries such as Romania and and, uh, and Poland, for example. So I, I don't think it's a case of evacuation. I think people who are obviously stuck in Ukraine, I've had a number of calls from people in Ukraine or from people uh, who have friends and family who are in Ukraine asking for assistance, asking for help and advice as to what to do. Now, conventionally, there are only three ways that one can manage an evacuation, and that's going to be by land, air, or by sea. Now, the air, obviously, is completely restricted. It's understood that most of the airports have now been taken out. Uh, the ports, particularly Odessa, that suffered, obviously, some attacks and believed to be amphibious attacks as well. Uh, and so you're only left with the land. Now, there are four-hour tailbacks coming out of Kiev right now from vehicles that are trying to leave, obviously, Kiev to get across the borders into those other countries. So any kind of considered evacuation 
it's going to be incredibly difficult because you've got such a huge number of people trying to get out. And for people who haven't been watching this in the news this morning, the, these uh, airstrikes have been quite strategic. I mean, it's a van of Frank Vist, uh, also Pold, uh, Poldisk, uh, Kiev, And th- these are all ports and airports, basically. Uh, there's Maripol. There's, uh, all these are bla- basically strategically planned. This is, I mean, I, I think, did we underestimate Putin? Do you think the world has underestimated him? I think we did. I think we did. I mean, I, I, I was having drinks with uh, some, some far cleverer people than me the other night who are involved in some of the strategic sort of uh, planning for these types of operations uh, at a sort of governmental level. And one person actually put it in a very sort of astute way of an, the analogy of if you imagine that the seat you're sitting on now is, uh, the, is Ukraine uh, and you're focused purely on that seat, well, you're not noticing is that Putin is removing all the other furniture from the room without you realizing. So there, there is this concern that if he does take over the entire landmass of Ukraine, uh, then the other countries that border Russia are very much at risk. And this goes all the way up to the Baltic Sea. And, you know, one person actually described it to me and said there is every chance that his ultimate strategy is to control everything right from the Baltic Sea right down to to Turkey. Now, we know Erdogan in Turkey is a sympathizer. We know China is a sympathizer. And even the Chinese embassy uh, in Kiev released, obviously, a notification. Uh, I think it was even a tweet to Chinese nationals and said, hang your Chinese flag outside your houses or outside your cars. Now, what does that tell you? That, that, and it is quite concerning for the world as well. I mean, look, we can do the, the two things the West can do is buy time and hope negotiations come back around a table at some point uh, in the very near future before things get escalating any worse or get involved. If we get involved, there's obviously that risk that he's already put out that threat that anybody that does get involved is going to obviously pay. Uh, but if we don't get involved, it looks like he seems to want the USSR back. I mean, what's to stop him taking out Belarus, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia? What's to stop him doing that as well? Well, the only thing that does stop him is obviously those countries are members of NATO. So as part of that NATO agreement, NATO is obliged to obviously involve itself. Now, uh, Ukraine is not a member of NATO, so they are somewhat helpless and, and handcuffed in being able to assist Ukraine right now. Obviously, the moment it moves into NATO sort of uh, member territories, then then we don't, they don't have any alternative. They have to obviously respond. Sanctions being put in place. I think to a certain extent are going to be toothless. Um, we look at Russia's capability. You know, only 30% of Russian oil is actually delivered into Europe. The vast majority of it is delivered into Asia. And Asia are allies with um, Russia. And, and as a direct result, I think Russia is su- suitably suitably strong enough. And looking at the barrel price of oil, that, do- that, that figure has now increased above 100 US dollars. Uh, and that's unprecedented at the moment. Okay, so, so if you think your you fuel know, price is bad at the moment, wait till you see it before the end of the month, basically, is what you're saying to me. But, but fi- fi- final question for you, the Russian stock market, of course, is closed in the financial. What is the financial yeah. impact? I mean, what impact is that going to have? Well, you know, one of the key things will be whether Germany actually does move on removing Russia from SWIFT. Now, if it does remove Russia from SWIFT and it denies the ability to use SWIFT, then that has enormous amounts of implications and probably one of the most powerful implications in terms of sovereign fundraising for Russia, uh, which they do need. And if they can't raise those funds, then everything becomes inverted. Uh, and I think you know, the only way that one could effectively have sanctions that are going to be um, efficient 
will be to obviously cut off all potential external source of funding but and trading, okay. but also any external resource and funding that they actually already have out there. Listen, Will, thank you very much indeed, and I appreciate you coming on the air and talking to us today. There you go. We'll get us anytime now. Security analyst and expert. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.